Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with creator of the Waste to Wealth Method, Brian Bogart. As an ambitious, high-performing individual, it's easy to let your identity become tangled in your achievements. Countless executives, business owners, and top performers across all industries in the world suffer from burnout, lack of motivation, and even business troubles because their emotional triggers have taken over their personal and professional lives. The only way to move past these triggers and succeed sustainably is to take out your trash. Brian has helped countless people take out the trash by expertly digging into the root cause of their triggers and uncovering the reasons why they react the way they do. If you ignore the trash, it only piles up and it will bury you. But a designated space to face your triggers and rewire your mind to stop reacting to the way it does will clear out your emotional body and give you the ultimate chance to perform at peak levels in life and in business. He teaches this. He has a wonderful backstory. Enjoy this interview. Well, hey, man, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with what we kind of touched on a little bit living through a pandemic. How did you get through the last three and a half years and how did it subsequently change you? I do a lot of internal work. It brought a a lot of things to the surface that I wasn't aware of. It forced consistency, conversation, depth of communication. You know, it was interesting because I had made a decision in September of 2019 to execute my buy sell in the business that I had been a part of building with a couple of business partners. We were sitting at about 15 to 16 million at the time. And I made the decision in September of 19, put the wheels in motion to execute my buy sell of May of 2020. March obviously hits. Yeah. So that was a really significant um, shift. And many people were like, so are you not going to go anymore? Are you, you going to stay here? Are you just going to do what you're doing? And I said, no, I'm doubling down. Like I, I, I'm not running away from something, I'm running towards something. And down economies or difficult challenges have never really feared me, you know, been a fear of mine in business. And so we left. June 1st of 2020 was my first day full-time as a speaker and a coach, even though I'd been doing it side by side for five years. And less than a year after that, so it was April of 2021, uh, my wife and I had a conversation on our back patio that even though I'd left for the sole purpose of helping everyone in the world get to the core of who they are, so they can stand on their own two feet, not just confident, but convicted in who they are, living their lives, building the businesses that they desire. My wife communicated to me that things I'd done early in our relationship, patterns that I'd created, ways that I was still showing up had created a path that caused her to lose who she was. And bro, it was like a dagger to the heart, right? Um, And it was one of those things where I could have reacted in that moment, which would have guaranteed I wouldn't be married anymore. But I went from being in one of the best places in my marriage I'd ever been to not knowing if I'd be married for another 30 days. What we unpacked was there was some perception of control that really wasn't control. And we discussed that. But we also unpacked that I had a pretty deep, dark level of anger that I didn't even realize was there. I mean, buried so deep, it could barely be excavated. And so I had to make a promise to my wife on that day that I was going to do everything in my power to ensure the negative effects of anger wouldn't affect our house as a result of me again. And I'm really, really proud to say, knowing that I'm human and knowing that I would mess up, the following 18 months, there was really like three or four situations where that took place. And in the last 18 to 24, there have been almost none. And so my commitment was to not only heal myself, reverse the generational patterns in my family with my kids, repair trust and deepen the relationship with my wife. And then all of this was used as a framework and example that only deepened the quality and depth of our work with others because I didn't have a healthy model to work myself through. So our waste to wealth methodology was actually created as a result of what I had to go through to get myself through my shame and through my anger. 
But now we're in a position, brother, that uh, where we're at, you know, I like to say that my wife and I've been together for 17 years. We hid from each other for 14. And she's only felt emotionally safe with me for 18 to 24 months. It's also not a coincidence that we have the deepest level of intimacy, the best relationship we've ever had. She finally, after 20 years as an entrepreneur, decided she wanted to bring her integrator and executor skills into our business. So she stepped up as our COO recently. We've got the best thriving business we've had since we left. We effectively reversed generational patterns in our house. And I was given a gift about six months ago. My kids don't even remember having an angry dad. And so COVID literally was like a, a complete life reshape, rebuild, because I was also shedding layers of the 10 years of toxicity I had absorbed in my prior partnership. And it all came to the surface. But I would tell you the last 18 to 24 months, we've been in such a beautiful rhythm. And, you know, we've learned in life how to really exist within the chaos uh, and still be centered, grounded and very okay. That's wonderful, man. So let's get to the heart and soul of what you do do on a daily basis. So if I put you in front of a bunch of third graders, it's career day, and one of the kids wants to know what you do for a living, how do you answer them? <laughs> well, in third grade language, I struggle. That's something I'm always told off, and they're like, Brian, dumb down your language a little bit. Um, but, but what I would tell you is that I ultimately am a human behavior and human connection expert that utilizes those core approaches to be able to maximize performance within individuals, leaders, and teams. And ultimately, if we overly simplify it, we're helping individuals identify and remove the waste they don't even know exists within and transform it into wealth generating activities that will connect and convert. So to a third grader, what does that mean? I help people heal their pain, remove their layers of protection, and stand into their power and potential so they can finally live the lives that they want. So obviously you talked a little bit about your your past. I'm going to go in and, and, and from this angle, these seeds that have, that have been put into you to help others. How did those begin? Where were you born and raised? And how did these seeds, and you're obviously an entrepreneur, very highly driven. How did all this happen? <laughs> it's, a, it's a long journey, my friend. <laughs> uh, what I would tell you is... Um, you know, I come from from parents that are the type that would take their shirt off their back to help anybody. Right. So I think there's an element of I've witnessed what service and serving others has looked like at a very high level for a long time. You know, I I'm, I was really blessed early in life that almost everything came easy to me. Um, and I don't say that to impress. You'll, you'll get clarity as to why that's relevant in a second. But, you know, I was speaking full sentences at 18 months. At two and a half, I told my dad to take the training wheels off my bike and I rode my bike for the first time at two and a half, like physically, intellectually, emotionally, I was just very advanced and, and, and given a lot of blessings and natural gifts. We traveled a lot around the world, but at age seven, uh, when we were back home, ultimately, and I'll expedite the story for the purpose of, of the amount of time we have today, but I was run over by a truck and my left arm was torn off. So though I have a long sleeve shirt on today, I, I'll hopefully pull it up to show the video. This is where my arm came off. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, there's obviously a lot of trauma that's connected to that. There's a whole, whole bunch that's built into that story. But what I would tell you is, is that, you know, when I was in the hospital in those first few days, when I finally realized that I wasn't in a dream, because I definitely felt like it was, I was in another world looking at myself from the outside, like, 
just in this you know twilight state and once i got centered and grounded i i remember even at seven feeling sorry for myself right like already asking the questions man what is my life going to look like what is it like what am i going to be able to do and though at that moment we didn't know if my arm would be successfully repaired if i'd ever have function again what we did know is that i had my life and so we had all of these people coming up to us saying we're so sorry for what happened to you we're so sorry for what happened to you right other families in the icu are doing the same thing we're so sorry for what can we do to help you and then come to find out their kids laying in the hospital bed next to me with a terminal illness and doesn't know if he's going to live for another 30, 30 days right perspective hit me really hard even at age seven because that was the moment that i learned not to get stuck by the things that have happened to me but instead get moved by what i can do with them and i believe that moved people move people you know i i recognize how blessed i am over the course of those next five years you know we did a lot of philanthropic work within the hospital and i lost a number of those people that i did work with wow. you know because their term terminal illness got the better of them and you know, or their their illness ultimately downgraded the quality of their life. And yet I continued to rise and get stronger. So I think I always had that perspective that I knew that the heart of these individuals would show up to help anybody in any moment if they had the opportunity to. And so, you know, many people ask, they're like, Brian, why do you care so much about helping so many people? And And it's because I feel like it's my responsibility. Right. It's almost like that line from super uh, from Spider-Man where it's like with with, you know, great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. You know, I've never had a problem communicating. I've never had a problem connecting with people um, when I wanted to. And that's the ironic part is I was disconnected for so many years. But I also often remind myself of the individuals that would be helping if they could. You know, wow. and I always centered and reminded myself as well with the singular woman who saved my life other than my mom, which was a nurse that walked out of the store right when the accident happened. Wow. I've said for years that I'm forever indebted to her for her choice to go into action that day. I met her for the very first time on the 30th anniversary of the accident last August in 2020. Wow. First time. I met her on the day of the anniversary. Wow. And it was a 15-minute conversation, and I, I asked her, why did you do it? And she said, I never even thought. I just acted. And then I find out that she had a friend with her there, with her that day who was also a nurse, who had all the same level of training that she had, who chose instead to turn her head and go on with her way, even though she saw the exact same thing that this other woman did. Now, what I want to be really clear on is I have no malice, no negative energy, no resentment, no anything towards this other person. That was well within her right to do and, and fully supported. But, but why is that an important point for me to bring up in response to this question? Because what it really does enforce is that our ability to choose in one moment to act can not only save someone's life, but it can have a ripple effect through hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives. And so there's been a big part of my life that had she not been there that day, had she not acted, I would have died on the parking lot. My arm was 10 feet away. My mom was looking at the muscle of my arm cooking like hamburger on the asphalt because it was a 115 degree day. All of those things could have been true. The first ambulance that got called got into a car accident. Right. Wow. So like it was just this unbelievable string of events, yet I'm still here. Wow. Right. So That's for amazing. me, it's it's it, it's it's opportunity and, and purpose. And I also know because of my own path, what it feels like to be disconnected, lonely, isolated, defeated, unworthy. Right. Operating with such 
complete shame, like in the low frequency spectrum of all emotions. But now I also know what it's like on the other side to live completely with joy, freedom, fulfillment, have absolute abundance. I, I don't want anybody to ever experience what I used to. And everybody has the possibility to live and experience what I do now. And so that's why we're on a mission to impact over a billion lives as quickly as we can by reducing the level of suffering that exists on this planet, largely of which I believe exists internal. So you've had to draw strength from people. Who's been a hero for you in your life? <laughs> um, you know, I, I a lot. Um, I will tell you, though I didn't admit it or know it for a long time, my parents are certainly my heroes in many, many ways. You know, they are responsible for a variety of perspective that I have in this world. They really demonstrated by example what developed our core, one of our core concepts, which is to embrace pain to avoid suffering, right? Because they were in a position where the idea of seeing their son grow up with the use of his left arm was a source of great potential suffering. So they literally willed themselves day in and day out to do what was necessary, what was tough through the multiple years of unceasing medical treatments multiple days of therapy every single week for the sole purpose of ensuring that I might have access and use to my arm. And, you know, that, that definitely laid a foundation for success. The second would probably be my wife. She more than once in our journey has seen me in a light that I wasn't capable of seeing myself and held me to that standard. And so if it wasn't for her strength and her perseverance, I, I wouldn't be who I am today. And then lastly, I would tell you my kids. My kids are, they both have special needs of their own kind. They are both unbelievably gifted and they've been my greatest coaches and my greatest teachers in my entire life. Um, so really I just try every single day to live into what I believe, which is I'm a husband and father first. It's the only thing binary in my world. And though I said that for years, I wasn't always congruent with it. I've been very congruent with that now for the last three to five and Again, it's, it's not a coincidence that I'm living the best life that I've ever had right now. So when you say special needs, are they on the spectrum? My son is on the spectrum. He ha also has um, sensory processing disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, now he's extremely high functioning and, you know, kind of considered in that gifted category as well in terms of intelligence. But he has a lot of challenges with executive functioning in moments. He has impulse control issues and his anxiety when it takes over makes him shut down with everything. My daughter is hearing impaired. We didn't find out till she was four. So she has hearing aids in both ears. And uh, she also has dyslexia and a couple of other kind of processing elements as well as some generalized anxiety. And so it's been phenomenal to really utilize all of what I know can be possible in creating a safe and protected environment for them to flourish and to witness you know, the results of that because I'm not one of those that looks at these special needs through the lens of like, oh, it's a label. It's greater understanding of self. And if it's viewed through objective and non-judgmental terms, then it's really just allowing ourselves and as parents and as individuals to be able to surround our kids with all of the services they need to give them the greatest chance possible yeah. to live into who they are and what they're capable of. And so, for me, it's it's no negative. In fact, I think it's it's both of their superpower because they've learned to utilize and work through some things at very young ages that many people never figure out. Yeah, my son's on the spectrum. He has a long arm on his 15th chromosome, so he has impulse control and a variety of other yeah. 
things that he's had to deal with. So you see the other side of life in a way when you live through that as a yeah. parent. It's very unique. And I don't see it yeah. as a liability at all. I see it as it's a spectrum. We all are. We all have this. We're all on the spectrum, by the way. Yeah. We are. You know, but the beauty of, of how they roll is what I find, because he's 19, is that there's not the hangups that are typical of that age. And there's this seeing life in a whole different way. But it's it, yeah, it's it, it's it's wonderful. I've always been. And, but, and what I realized early on was of all of the things that we can be in control of, this is way before COVID. The only thing that we can be in control of is how we love, you know, and and that's that's what we can do as parents. We can do yeah. the best we can, yeah. you know, because we couldn't control the chromosomes, the DNA, the map just wasn't going to happen. So it's the truth. It's the truth. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, we know for a fact that we're going to screw our kids up in some way. Yeah, we don't know and we can't predict. Right. Like there's something, some way we look at them, talk to them, treat them. That's going to be an embedded element that they carry and they'll have to unpack later in life. However, to your point, that was really what my wife and I said we, before we even knew our kids had these needs. Our goal as parents was always to ensure that our kids knew who they were, that they could advocate for who they were, that they could love who they are, right? And that they're going to be loved unconditionally no matter what. Yes. And if all of those things are true, then they're going to be able to know other people. They're going to be able to love other people and they're going to be able to advocate for other people. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, like that is our sole focus as parents is to allow them to really be able to just stand on their own two feet without ever any need to waver from outside forces and to know that they're going to be okay utilizing their own voice to advocate for what they need based on who they are. Yeah. And it's been really beautiful to witness that already at eight and nine, they are doing that at a level that, again, many adults don't have capabilities in. Yeah. And it's it's really beautiful to witness, but it's all about love, right? It's, yeah. it's all about creating safe and protected environments that our kids can be seen and understood and connected and loved. Yeah, for sure. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> you know, I'm blessed because I get lots and lots and lots of advice, but I would tell you that um, I'll give you two. One is the greatest lesson that my dad probably ever taught me. Uh, and he's taught me many. And he says, no matter what, always in life, never fails, always guaranteed, you will always have a minimum of two choices. And to date, I've yet to find a situation where that wasn't true. <laughs> now, the reality of it is they both might be shitty choices, right? You could be held up at gunpoint and your choice is to get shot or hand over all your worldly possessions. Not ideal, but the point of the matter is, is that stepping into the fact that we do have influence and control through the choices and decisions and actions that we make and take, right? That is a representation of who we are to the world. And so it allows us to then always find a way to take ownership and responsibility. So that's the first. And the second is one I've been teaching my kids since the day we were born, but it became really, really powerful when my anger came out and we discovered it. It's that the world will never judge you based on your intent. The world will always judge you based on your actions Yeah, because your actions are how you demonstrate who you are to the world. So if you feel like you're not being seen and understood, if you feel like your intent isn't being captured, if you feel like you're constantly being exiled, analyze and change your actions. Yeah. If you don't feel like you're getting the answers that you want, the outcomes that you want, change your questions. Both of those two things give us a lot of power back in life. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Who would you love to meet and talk to? Hmm. 
That's a really good question. A few years ago, I would have told you Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's gone now, and, and so that that's going to be the case. You know, I know this is going to sound a little little bit crazy potentially. But I just genuinely believe in the heart that this person represents. Um, I'd probably want to meet and hang out with Alicia Keys. Yeah, yeah, she's cool. She has a she has a truth. There's a even when she's on stage, it's you don't feel like it's made. There's a made over element to her. It comes out raw. She's all heart, man. She's all heart. You know. Yeah. And 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 I I witness not just how she operates with herself, but what she does to advocate for others. And so she's somebody that I've always looked up to. It's, it's crazy that that's the name that came to the top of my head. I mean, there are so many incredible people on this planet. You know, I also have access to many of them today, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I haven't thought about that question in a while. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If, if a time machine pulls up when we get off this call and you can punch in the digits and go anywhere in history and see one event unfold, where are you going? It's like the introduction to Big Bang Theory. Just everything's flying. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, wow, that's a good question. You know what? I, uh, I think I would want to go back and be in the crowd to witness I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. That'd be crazy. He's one of the few people on my list of heroes always has been. And, you know, if I had the opportunity to be there, witness and, and experience the power of Martin Luther King Jr. And the number of people that were there at that event, it's, uh, you know, that was truly a profound shift in, in humanity. Yeah. And, and I would have loved to be there to witness it, experience it, feel it all. So speaking of inspiration, what is that every day for you to get up, to help others, to be you, to evolve, to overcome, to achieve all of these things? What is that that gets you out of bed? You know, I think I've got a really, really healthy relationship with mortality, given everything I've been through. And so, you know, I've really let go of this concept of living and dying and this idea that, you know, we're running out of time. I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how many years I have left. And so for me, it's it's the opportunity to live. It's the opportunity to grow. It's the opportunity to inspire, connect, and pull others. I genuinely like love what I do. Like at my core, I have, I'm so passionate about helping people live into everything. And probably one of my greatest pet peeves is unlived potential, right? And so for me, because of the perspective that I have and have gone through, what really gets me up every single day is the opportunity to be more and more present in every single moment. And the more present I get, the more I'm able to be, the more I am, and the more I have access to things I never even imagined. And so for me, it's the opportunity to just demonstrate to myself and to others what can be possible. And that every moment, every step, every breath is an opportunity to close a chapter in your life, turn the page and start writing a new one. And so for me, it's just constantly reconciling and getting back to alignment and congruence. 
And then using that as an example to show others, primarily my kids, and then all other the folks that we want to impact, what's possible when we can really unlock who we are and when we can really go after living in this life. What was the first profound concert you ever saw in your life? The blew you away. Uh, it's funny that you say that. Um, I would, it was Alicia Keys. Wow. And it was a small venue. And ironically, that event, Muhammad Ali was in the building. Wow. So it was a small venue. And she stopped the show when she realized that Muhammad Ali was like in the first couple of rows. Wow. And she stopped the show intentionally just to honor the man and the impact that he lived his life as. And the power of her delivery in the right type of venue, to your point, when she's on stage, it's just like energy is flowing through her. And we were in a venue that was designed that it's the type that like you could feel all the bass in every cell of your body. Right. And it was such a moving experience because she's so uniquely talented and gifted. And I love listening to or watching anyone operate at the top of their potential. And so for that experience to take place the way that it did and to have Muhammad Ali, who is one of the three people I used to always say I wanted to meet if I could go back in time um, to be in the room, it, it was something that really moved me. And, you know, I've been a forever fan since that moment. Wow, that gave me goosebumps, man. That's like that's that's like splitting the atoms right there in the middle of of life. Um, so everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Man, I think I'm somebody who cares deeply about the human experience and allowing myself, everyone I love, and frankly, everyone I don't even know to have the opportunity to fully grasp what that is, to normalize the experiences that many of us don't talk about, to recognize that life is about contrast. And I'm like uniquely curious around people's perspectives. And so for me, I think that's not only how I would be described in many ways externally, but for a long time, my historical belief was because I was living and existing behind such armor that I was an asshole, that I was arrogant, that I, you know, had this edge about me. And it's only been in the last few years that I've been able to really step into and surrender the fact that that's not how people view me. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I have nicknames like a heart surgeon without a blade or the one second psychologist for a reason. Right. Because what I provide is a space that gets held for people to truly feel safe and protected, seen and understood and connected at the deepest levels with themselves. And I just view myself as a vehicle and a vehicle to ultimately allow people to step into the moment to experience and see what they need. And so how do I see myself? It all is driven by curiosity around the human experience and really sitting in objective and non-judgmental ways of meeting people where they are. And whenever I do that, not only am I more powerful, I'm more free, but the experience for everybody around me is different. You know, the, the beauty, I think, of what you're saying and, and with your story is, is that you know what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. 
and and it can take a long time it's like in music it takes a long time for musicians to find their voice but when you can find that purpose that you're supposed to be here for just makes everything that much better and for everyone around you especially your kids and spouse everybody so well i mean here's here's the reality i wrote down my very first purpose when i was 27 and it didn't change until about two years ago. It was the same and it was very clear and it was good and it served that purpose in my life, but it shifted about two years ago and it's very crystal clear now. My reason for existence is to allow my truth to give others permission to live theirs. Yeah. And if we center and understand that our primary mission and focus is to reduce the level of suffering that exists on this planet, it also is magic how it aligns with my purpose, which wasn't just like an intellectual facet of doing so because I believe we all suffer in four places. It's the things that are left unsaid, the things we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate or understand, or the things that are left undone. Every time I share my truth, every time you share your truth about your experience with your son or anything else that's happened in your life, what are we doing? We're giving other people permission to feel and say things they haven't otherwise. We're giving them words to articulate and understand them, which then frees them to act and do. And so not only do my real time alleviating the suffering always by just living so transparently, but I'm also allowing all of those around me to step into and reduce the level of suffering within themselves by the way I live. So let's carry that baton. If Brian, anyone wants to reach out to you, hire you, learn more about you, where do they go? Go to brianbogert.com. It'll give you access to a series of webinars, a series of virtual events that we run, ways to engage in our community, ways to engage with coaching or speaking. If you're on social media, go to at Bogert Brian on any channel and you'll get a really good feel for who we are. Brian, you're a pillar of strength, man. What a wonderful story. Thank you for being raw and open, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.